BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing taxing, loan forgiveness, everyday money fights, and virtuous investing. Yeah, virtuous investing. We're going to talk about investing that gives you all the good feels uh, <laughs> later on during this episode. But this is our Friday flight where we're going to talk about the most important stories that we think you should be paying attention to this week. Uh, but Joel, we should. Uh, this isn't something we mentioned on our last Friday flight last week because. I don't know. We, we knew that we were going, but we just didn't talk about it. <laughs> we were at FinCon as that episode came out. And FinCon, for folks, is a financial conference. Some would um, say the, the nerdiest place on earth, Matt. It is, <laughs> it is quite nerdy, but it's just a great time for us to be able to just meet up with other we fit personal right finance <laughs> creators. Uh, and these are a lot of folks who were there who spoke actually uh, have been on our show. I'm yeah. thinking of like Patrice Washington was there, Anthony O'Neill. Um, Erica Taylor. That's right. right. Erica Taylor. A lot of great folks. Taylor made budgets. That's right. But the ability just to see a bunch of... Carl and Mindy. Mindy Jensen uh, and Carl. Okay. Mr. 1500. Like a we personal, see, finance, personal see, finance power couple. Yeah, there are a lot of our friends uh, who were there. And so we didn't talk about it ahead of time because it's it's more of a nerdy thing. But it is a lot of fun for us to be able to meet up with some of these folks, see the content that they're creating and, and how they're going about it. It can be really encouraging to us. For sure. And we also, while we were there, we, uh, we took a bunch of our How to Money Socks. 
the coolest socks in personal, <laughs> personal finance. And uh, nobody's got any any uh, claim to that. Just it's us. On, we win on our socks. Those <laughs> things are awesome. Uh, we stuck the, those on a bunch of uh, of our friends. Gave those away. And speaking of our socks, we're actually going to. It's now time to give away uh, five pairs of our How to Money socks. To uh, and listen up. We're, we're going to narrow the focus a little bit here as to who is eligible for these socks. But we're going to give five pairs of socks away to five new subscribers to the How to Money newsletter. That's right. The finest socks in the land that represent you know, one of your hopefully <laughs> favorite podcasts. Uh, they're super comfortable, super attractive. But the, yeah, if you go and sign up for the How to Money newsletter before Wednesday at midnight, you're going to be automatically entered to win a pair of these socks. We'll ship them out to you. And then yeah, we'll announce the winners on our next Friday flight. That's right. And to be honest, you're going to get the added value of not just receiving the socks, but also receiving delightful, entertaining personal finance content in your inbox yeah, personal every finance single week. Content that's going to fuel you throughout the week. It's going to revolutionize your life. Okay, uh, we, we, Maybe that's too maybe that's too uh, strong of a claim, but it's it's fun. It's yeah. a good newsletter. And specifically, the way you sign up for that newsletter, head to howtomoney.com forward slash newsletter. Uh, well, we'll link to it in the show notes as well. We'll link to it in the show notes. And specifically too, for all of you folks out there who are listening to the show and you're not subscribed, this is an awesome opportunity because you're not, you know, you're not uh, competing with like thousands of other folks. There might be, I don't know, maybe there's like 20, 30, even 50 or 100 folks who sign yeah. up. You, you are going to have a the chances pretty, are better than ever. Yeah. You're, the odds are totally in your favor. That's right. So we want you to do that. <laughs> let's we take a Hunger Games line. <laughs> send those out to you soon. All right. Well, let, let's move on, Matt. Let's get to the Friday flight. Uh, it's a quick sampling of stories we found interesting this week. It's what we do every Friday. We kind of, Matt and I, we parse through the headlines and we tell you what's relevant to you in, in the world of personal finance. And uh, let's talk about inflation for a second, Matt. We got, I feel like we got to lead off with that. Uh, I don't know about you. It's kind of the story of the week. It is. I personally have not heard the word transitory in quite some time. Uh, it's one of those words that for a minute, a couple of years ago, it was like the buzzword. <laughs> Could have been like the word of the year for on Time Magazine. 2021's word of the year, <laughs> transitory. <laughs> right. It turns out that inflation is much stickier than experts had hoped it would be. And even as like supply chains are functioning better and with a steep decline in gas prices, we're still seeing the headline inflation number barely budge. And that's because the cost of groceries is continuing to go up alongside a lot of other categories that we've been talking about here on the show in particular housing <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. whether you're buying or renting right prices there have skyrocketed which is a huge part of what's contributing to inflation that doesn't want to budge very much in particular would be surprised if we see uh, rents continue to climb i think yeah. you know we've seen uh, home purchase prices cap out a little bit but as far as the rental prices that that folks are paying i think we're going to unfortunately i think we're going to continue to see those climb in the coming months i think you might be right and uh, while the cost of other goods and services like travel and used cars have begun to decline a little bit a little bit at least it's just moving slow and mm. that means consumer costs are not getting better the cpi number hasn't changed very much. And so sadly, inflation continues to be just a massive problem for anybody out there who spends money on anything. Yeah, I think I saw that the, the same basket of goods and services cost the average family $460 more per month now than it did a year ago. Uh, and granted, you know, a lot of folks have been able to use the, the hot labor market to their advantage in order to get paid more, but still 
this inflation. It, can, it continues to remain a real problem uh, and sticky inflation. It's the major reason why the number of folks who are experiencing money stress has been on the rise. The uh, uh, American Psychological Association, they just released a study uh, and it turns out that 72% of Americans say that they're stressed about their uh, current financial situation. And right on cue, the, the journal, they documented the rise in fights among couples over just simple expenses uh, like grocery store purchases. Like, are, are they actually getting into fights in the grocery store? I like, put that kumquat back. It's too much. <laughs> I mean, quite literally, yeah. Like, they're talking about the, the different disagreements that couples are having, not only in, uh, within grocery stores, but just the price of gas and utilities are affecting how people feel about their money. And younger folks are actually the most stressed out. More than eight in 10 folks uh, who are aged, uh, between, basically millennials, right? 18 to 43. So it's kind of like millennials. Some Gen Z too, yeah. A little bit of Gen Z, a little bit of the Zoomers as well. Mostly that. It's like but, our audience. Uh, that's how old they are. <laughs> Basically, everybody's listening, or not everybody. I guess, most of them. The vast majority of folks, 18 to 43. Uh, but they are the most stressed out about their personal finances. We totally get it. These are conversations that Kate and I have had recently. I mean, gone are the days where we're, we were paying a dollar per person per meal. That has not been the case <laughs> for a while. Like, I mean, the, the cost of eggs, 40% more. Yeah today than they were a year ago. That is completely insane. For us, it's causing us to have maybe not heated discussions, but we're having to we're, we're having more discussions about what we're starting to ax you're, from. You're our, yelling at Kate over kumquats too, aren't you? <laughs> you're part of the problem. Maybe seltzers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Y'all yes. too? Well, we, for a minute there, we were seltzer people. Not me, but my wife and kids. And yeah. I swear. The kids. The most annoying part. Yes. Forget that, dude. The most annoying part was that, that half drank cans of seltzer were being <laughs> left around the house. And I'm like, put an end to it oh, right now. You can't leave those soldiers behind. No. Like, yeah, never. No for, more seltzer. Uh, my sacrifice has been ice cream. I love ice cream. Yeah. But you know what? I don't need that crap in my life. And so that's something I'm like, all right, let's just completely eliminate that. And I don't know. In some ways, I feel that this is almost a good exercise because it allows folks to sort of dig deep and realize, okay, what is it that I can live without? What are the things that are important to my health? What are the important groceries and foods that we need to be eating? And I think there's a lot of crap that we can cut from our diets. Yeah. And the more that we can handle our money better in other areas of life too, the hopefully the less stressed out will become around like that's that's like what we want for our listeners, Matt, is for them to be empowered based on their ability to up their savings rate so they have more margin, more breathing room, so that even as inflation is a real thorn in their side, they're like, you know what? I don't have to be stressed out about this because I know where my money's going and I'm handling it well. Uh, and That's right. it doesn't mean that it's a good thing. It's still still a pain in the butt. Welcome to the empowerment zone. <laughs> That'll be our, uh, we should have a segment on Fridays. All right. That's, no, that's the whole show. The whole show is, is all about empowerment yeah. and getting folks to make smart moves with their money. So Exactly. Well, let's talk about college for a second, Matt, because uh, we've actually talked about how college degrees are not necessarily the best use of your money. We talked about that recently, how they're actually worth less than they used to be. That was mm-hmm. episode 548. And the, the truth truth is, the reality is we have a, a supply and demand problem that the market has been flooded with college graduates over the last couple decades. And in a lot of fields, there's just a whole lot more supply of folks with a college degree than there is demand for people with those degrees. And that is in part why two in five graduates, according to a recent survey, have expressed regret over their chosen field of study. And on top of that, Nearly half of those who got a degree in the humanities and the arts said they'd wish uh, wish they'd chosen to pursue a different degree. And so, Matt, I know we got some pushback on that college episode. Some people were like, why are you guys hating? As always, we try to take the, the nuanced approach um, where sure. for some folks, for a lot of folks, a college degree can be meaningful, can um, create 
additional lifetime earnings. So much of it depends on your personality and your skill set. But you know, I feel like we're treating college degrees like they're a no-duh path to a middle-class lifestyle. And that's less the case than it has been. And the reality on the ground is, is revealing, I would say, that fewer folks are having that experience, right? Especially as prices are rising exponentially. The cost <laughs> is a huge factor in whether or not a college degree makes sense for people. And uh, something else that came out this week, 19 of the top 20 colleges in the U.S. News & World Report rankings cost more than $55,000 a year to attend. Dang. Not for the whole degree, a year. So we're yep. talking about like a quarter million dollars of debt, potentially, if there are no scholarships involved, uh, for your college degree. And when we're talking about costs that are that extreme to get a degree, we've got to think long and hard about what the final outcome is going to be, the value proposition, the the trade-off of time and money to get that degree. What is it actually going to provide in the end? And so it's interesting to see how many people are expressing regret over the degree they've gotten. I think so much of that comes down to how much it costs to get it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, and we're not haters. You know, like we said before, like college, it can be an awesome path for a lot of folks. Because in large part, they're able to provide higher lifetime earnings and it oftentimes provides more job satisfaction. But the risk to reward ratio has just changed when it comes to pursuing a higher education. And yeah, as costs have risen exponentially and the value of many degrees, we're, we're seeing them decline. And because of that, it's up to individuals to be more careful on the front end before they mindlessly choose a, a college or a course of study. And so whether we're talking about your kids or your friends or like you yourself, we want your eyes to be wide open within this decision-making process where you're able to try to figure out what you think the likely ROI of that degree is going to be. You know, the reality is that like some degrees are going to just be worth more than others. And many of those worthwhile degrees can actually be pursued for a lot less money than you think. And, you know, if you want to study something that doesn't hold as much value in the marketplace, it's even more important to keep costs to a minimum. Yeah. If you really, really want that basket weaving degree, I think it's okay as long as you count the cost and you have the cash to pay for it. But if you're taking on student loan debt, tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt to get a degree that in all likelihood isn't going to lead to a higher paying job, that's when you're in big trouble, that's right? right? That's when you've got debt and nothing really to show for it. Well, so speaking of college, Matt, student loan forgiveness, let's talk about that for a second. That continues to be a hot topic and there's more information coming out about it. We talked about it recently in depth and, and we said that student loan borrowers aren't going to be paying income tax on the forgiveness amount. And that is true. The folks aren't going to be paying federal income tax on the amount that they're forgiven. But state taxes are another issue. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's come out this week that a bunch of states are in line to send a tax bill to forgiveness recipients. And this, this is subject to change. State governments can make exceptions and can pass legislation to prevent that from happening. But states like North Carolina, Indiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, even California are all, at least for now, even California, even California, you mean, of course, California. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, California, I would think that they would actually be on board with uh, the feds uh, on this, but I don't know. They love tax, taxing their, their citizens. <laughs> they do have, what, the highest individual income tax rate in the country. They have all the highest taxes, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's something like it's 13, to 13 states in total who are uh, considering taxing the amount that was forgiven. Yeah, so this is subject to change, but it's something to be aware of, and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. An article about this, but they're planning on sending you a tax bill. And how much are you going to owe is the next question. It depends on how much forgiveness you received and the state income tax thresholds where you live. Lots of folks uh, are likely going to end up owing somewhere between 500 bucks and 1000 bucks in additional state income taxes come April 
if if there's no pivot made. And so, yeah, just a, just a heads up to start mentally and financially preparing for that. The mm-hmm. forgiveness feels good, but you might be taxed, at least at the state level, on some of that forgiveness. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's some bad news when it comes to taxes. On a positive note, the IRS is going to be refunding over a billion dollars to evidently any taxpayers who missed deadlines for filing their 2019 and their 2020 tax returns. And so the way it works, you know, typically the IRS, they, they charge you a fee for filing late, but because of the pandemic, the, the kind-hearted uh, suit-wearing folks over there at the Internal Revenue Service, they're, so sweet. They're, they're going to send that money back to you. Uh, it's something like, I think, like 1.6 million Americans are going to be eligible for this refund. And the best part is you don't have to do anything. It's, it's going to be automatic. That is actually, unless you haven't, if you still haven't filed your taxes for, if you're for, that late. for those years. <laughs> you're like literally the latest person out there. Yeah, if that's the case, you need to get on it uh, because you have until September 30th to finally get those uh, returns in. And also, you know, don't get used to this kind of generosity from the IRS. I don't think this is uh, likely to be n- normal moving forward. I feel like they're just throwing everybody one final pandemic bone. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, don't count on this in the future. Yeah. Well, thank you, sweetheart IRS folks, uh, for anybody who was late. That is going to, that, that could be hundreds and hundreds of dollars in yeah. late fees that they are able to avoid that are going to get automatically refunded to them, which which is nice. Absolutely. I think that the, the, uh, the average a refund amount is going to be something like 750 bucks. Yeah. So maybe you filed late, you already paid that fee. And also maybe your state that you're living in is going to charge you for the student loans that were, <laughs> that were forgiven. So yeah. hang on to that Might money. Might all come out in the wash. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But at least you're not, at least it's not feeling like that you're paying even more out of pocket. Yeah. But we've got additional stories that we're going to get to this week, including that virtuous investing story. We'll get to that plus others right after this. I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty? When it can be earning extra income on your behalf, it's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. 
you already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs. Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. All right, the Friday flight continues. And Matt, we got to get to our ludicrous headline of the week. And typically, we find something from uh, a newspaper, a television station somewhere around the country that annoys us or irks us, uh, or maybe it just is worded poorly (laughs) and makes us think something that maybe they weren't trying to do. Just bad headlines are all over the place. But this week's comes uh, in the form of a tweet. I think it's maybe our first time to do this. Who's out there making predictions again? Of course, it's the rich dad, poor dad guy, Robert Kiyosaki. And he tweeted last week. It's his, it's his pastime. <laughs> <laughs> he, he likes to tweet and he Make, likes to tweet. Making those predictions. Dumb things. And he he likes to use all caps in a lot of his tweets too, which I think is, I don't know if that's just a generational thing or. Yeah, it's kind of a classic boomer move. <laughs> <laughs> okay, boomer. Not to hate on any of right. our, our boomer listeners out there, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, how often do you tweet in all caps? Um, how often do I tweet is a better question. Rarely, but in all caps, never. Probably never. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he tweeted, the crash is here. I'm trying to emphasize, <laughs> emphasize it like he does. Is that how he, that's how he wrote it? <laughs> yes. And, he, yeah. and then he said, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETF, and real estate crashing as predicted, middle class being wiped out. 
And then what did he proceed to do? He proceeds to tell all of his followers to buy silver. Uh, This guy, Matt, he tends to make a prediction every single year (laughs) uh, at a random time, typically in the fall, I feel like. But his track record just isn't great. He's, He's wrong most of the time. And uh, there was another article this week. Analysts at Morgan Stanley are predicting a major market downturn over the next four months. And all these things, like these predictions, what's our response to them? Who cares? <laughs> because the reality is, like, if anyone was paying attention this week, the market was down almost 4.5% in a day, like the largest single-day drop since 2020. Mm-hmm. But to us, that doesn't matter. That's short-term stuff that we don't care about. The same is true, right? If we experience more volatility and and downward movement in the coming months, we're long-term investors here at How to Money. And so we expect these short-term blips. We choose not to pay attention to them. And could these predictions come to pass? Sure. They, yeah, it uh, might happen. But he, he, Mr. Kiyosaki has also made a lot of predictions that have not come to pass. And if you, if you believe these predictions, if you buy them hook, line, and sinker, and you make your investing decisions based on them, it's far more likely that you're going to lose money than make it. Yeah. And again, we bring this to your attention because it's okay if you notice that folks are out there saying these kinds of things, but we don't want you to take action with your actual money. You could just unfollow too. <laughs> that, that, that is true. For, for the bad advice and for all the caps tweets. And, yeah. Well, and Speaking of taking the wrong actions, the wrong steps with your money, friend of the show, Lindsay Bell, she actually tweeted out a shocking chart this week. It turns out that millennials are selling stocks like it's their job. Uh, data from Ally shows that 49% of millennials have sold stocks over the past 12 months, whereas only 17% of, uh, of Zoomers did the same thing. Uh, and one of the main reasons that they cited as a reason for selling was volatility. Man, this honestly, this kind of makes me mad because this points to a lack of financial education uh, because volatility within the stock market is to be expected. It's just an inevitable part of the wealth building process. Uh, but when you sell, you're often locking in losses in an attempt to time the market. None of us obviously are smart enough to do that successfully though. And so this is not something we would recommend. We would, we want you to just continue buying. You're going to see the volatility. You might see the market crash, just like Robert Kiyosaki mentioned, but that doesn't mean you have to actually take action and do anything about it. Makes me think of our interview with Nick Majuli. His book was called Just Keep Buying. Just Keep Buying. And I love, I love that phrase. Uh, that's how we should think about investing in the market. Just keep buying through head, thick and through thin, head through down, ups and through downs, to invest. and you'll be wealthy at some point. That's just the, that's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really have to pay attention to day-to-day movements or movements year to year even. Uh, all right, man, let's, let's keep talking about investing though, because uh, let's talk about 401ks in particular, because uh, folks who got their Q2 401k statement, they might've noticed that it looked a little bit different than it normally does. And that's because there's now a requirement uh, for 401k providers to attach what's known as a lifetime income illustration and by you i don't know when i say illustration you might think like doodles of disney pictures or something like that no that's not what we're talking about Uh, this is basically an attempt to give people a picture of how much monthly income they can expect based on their total nest egg. yeah yeah and illustration and picture may be inaccurate words as well because i don't even think it's a chart or anything like that it's just kind of like a table with some numbers on it that kind of gives you a heads up Uh uh-huh and so yeah the this comes from the secure act which was passed in 2019 which now made this a legal requirement yeah and it might be disconcerting cuz let's say you've got 120,000 bucks in your retirement account. Well, you'll realize uh, based on this lifetime income illustration that you should be able to expect 500-ish dollars a month in income when you reach retirement age. But here's the thing. Uh, the younger you are, 
the less this matters, right? The goal really should be to just increase your overall nest egg, ramping up the amount you're able to contribute while paying very little attention to these details about how much you're going to be able to spend in retirement. And for folks closer to retirement, I think this can be maybe a helpful wake-up call to start socking away even more. You might realize, let's say you're you're in your 50s and you're listening to HTM and you're like, oh, man, I just got that. And my, my lifetime income illustration shows that, yeah, I'm only going to be able to expect seven or $800 a month in income from my retirement accounts. You might need to increase your contribution level so that you can catch up. But the reality is you might also have a pension from somewhere else. And you got to factor social security in too. So uh, there's a lot to think about. I think this lifetime income illustration can be helpful, but I think for some folks it can also be shocking and they just like have no no idea what to do with it. I mean, I think that's the whole point, right? Is hopefully it shocks you into doing something different with your money because in the end, hopefully you're able to see that, oh yeah, 600 bucks a month. That's not quite enough for me to live on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I were to retire right now, this is not feasible. And so sort of like we were saying earlier, I feel like that it can provide some empowerment to folks to realize there are things, there are steps I can take right now to change how much I've got within my 401k. I think one of the Just things... bumping your 401k contributions up a percent or two. Like it's, it's going to make a massive difference. Meaningful and and impact. that's where maybe this illustration could do better in the future is if they had like some projections or something, right? Yeah. Because I think the criticism might be that it's just a snapshot of what your nest egg is currently and what that would provide you. Yep. But not like, based on your age or yeah, future the, returns. Exactly. Or or how long you're planning to work. Because if you knew that, okay, well, it's only 125000 now, but like I just started last year. Well, well I guess not. <laughs> not <laughs> That'd not, be impressive. Not last year, but I guess like five, 10 years ago. But if you know you've got another 20 years worth of uh, your career ahead of you and you can map that out, if, you know, if they had like a little dash line uh, with an increased 401k amount and then what that would allow you to withdraw every Every single month. I think th I, that's the part of it that can be encouraging to Basically, me. Basically, this illustration could use a lot of work it could, to, yeah, it to could better serve people. But I, I, I do like the spirit behind it because it, it just allows folks, it's a tool, right? And it allows folks to peer into the future in the same way that we joke and, and literally have done this, but you know, using the face app to see an older version of yourself. I think for, in particular for younger investors, if they can see, uh, you know, 600 bucks, oh my gosh, that's not a whole lot of money. I need to start saving more now. Uh, in that way, it does allow us to look down the road a little bit and to essentially forecast and realize, okay, maybe I've been embracing that YOLO lifestyle a little too much. Maybe I need to travel a little bit less and instead divert some of those funds towards my retirement. Yeah, yeah. or stop eating out so much. Yeah. That's, another, that's another thing. It's expensive. Well, uh, one, one thing we prefer you not to invest in within your 401k is ESG funds. And we, we've talked about this a few times on the show, and I think any had a money listener knows it, it. They're not our favorite. because The goal of these funds really is to allow folks to invest in what we would call a virtuous way, in a socially responsible way. But as you've heard us say, they often don't do an awesome job at it. Uh, friend of the show and recent guest, Allison Schrager, she just wrote a, a great article for City Journal about how the ESG bubble is starting to burst. And at the heart of the problem that she expounded on was virtuous investing. It's kind of hard to define. Are oil companies awful or are they currently just the cheapest way to power economic development, particularly in the developing world? Exactly. Yeah. Do you care more about the earth and uh, utilizing fossil fuels less or do you care about maybe equity? amongst all the different nations in particular in these the are, developing world. These are more complex questions than sometimes we give them credit exactly. for. Exactly. It's not just like good versus evil. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's how, you know, ESG investing is that's what that's what they're setting out to do. They're they're, they're there to say, "Oh, but this is good." But okay, according to <laughs> according to what parameters? According yeah. to whose definition? And every ESG fund is created differently. Some invest in Tesla, some don't. <laughs> some invest in oil companies, some don't. Mm -hmm. Some invest in Facebook who is potentially ruining our society, others don't, right? I mean, and that 
is a, a legitimate, those are legitimate concerns. Sure. And, and returns from these funds, they're not matching up with their index counterparts either. So spending your money, we would say, in a way that aligns with your values is something worth doing, is something worth pursuing. But it's not as easy to invest in a similar manner. And it's likely to cost you more in fees uh, in returns yep. if you try. Yep. So you're going to be less financially stable. You're, you're not going to build wealth as quickly. There are just legitimate downsides to investing uh, in these ESG funds, trying to invest in a virtuous way. Yeah, I mean, you can clearly, I mean, it, it will cost you more if it says the expense ratio is higher <laughs> than the 0.03% that you should be paying. Which they inevitably or, are, yeah. Or like even, uh, like Van, I was looking at Vanguard's uh, ESGV, they're only 0.06, which is, I mean, as they go, that's as, I think, almost as cheap as you can get. The industry is, yeah. average is like 0.4%, which is way higher than what anybody should be paying out there for a widely diversified index fund. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, like you said, the performance uh, of these ESG funds has been, they, like, it was actually looking slightly better than the stock market as a whole or the S&P. As we were in a bull market when everyone's feeling great about everything, but then as soon as things have turned around a little bit and we've entered into a bear market, these ESG funds have not performed well. So yeah, like you said, they cost more, they are not performing, uh, not to mention they aren't doing whatever it is that you think they're doing. Like you might get the good feels again yeah. <laughs> from investing in something that feels more green, but the reality is it may not even be doing that all that well. Yeah, I think we might get some pushback. Matt, some people might be like, why don't Matt and Joel care about the earth or care about being virtuous citizens, we would say... That's because Joel's too busy out there coal rolling. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, there are so many little decisions you can make that are good for the earth and good for your wallet. We just think ESG funds are not necessarily one of them. True. And, all right. But let's let's move on. Matt. Let's talk about new phones because Apple had their infamous event last <laughs> last week that used to be so much more popular. I remember like New York Times writers used to like live stream their comments on what Apple was releasing. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore, but uh, Apple just released their, their newest version of the iPhone, iPhone 14. And uh, I don't really care about that, but a new survey found that one in five folks are more than willing to go into debt in order to buy the new iPhone. And that that's according to WalletHub. When I saw that stat, Matt, that's something I got in the email inbox. Uh, it it made my my usual optimistic self a little bit bummed. Uh, it made me sad about the state of humanity because the reality is that, as the Atlantic noted this week, the iPhone, I, it's just not cool anymore. So we, it, it, the, the the changes. And, well, e even if it was cool. It doesn't change our opinion, right? Yes. <laughs> Even if it was still hip, which I don't think it is, I think it's bad to go into debt for it. Yeah. I mean, like we were just talking about student loans before the break. I mean, you need to be careful about the kind of debt that you take on. Obviously, mm -hmm. student loans has more promising potential. And we're talking about consumption here, basically financing lifestyle, which is not something that we can get behind at all. Yeah. And the reality is that the iterations of smartphones are infinitesimally small these days. The difference between an iPhone 13 and an iPhone 14 it's pretty minimal. <laughs> Yet there's going to be a whole lot of people that decide to upgrade to an ever so slightly better iPhone and put it on a credit card that they can't pay off in order to get a new phone. And yeah. so, I don't know, what we would say, if you prefer to buy a way more expensive phone that's barely improved, that's okay. Just don't go into debt to buy one and make sure that you're doing it intentionally. Don't fall victim to the upgrade cycle. Uh, and yeah. every time something new comes out, you're like, oh yeah, uh, knee-jerk reaction, Pavlov's dog, I'm going to get that thing, even though it's probably not going to make much of a difference in your life. Why, why are you such an iPhone hater? Because I'm a Pixel guy. <laughs> even though I... You and your busted, I'm looking at your crack phone. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's a great phone. Your so. brand new crack phone right now. I love I, it. I'll say I'm a 13 uh, iPhone 13 Pro owner. 
forget the 14. Like like you said, Joel, like there were very few upgrades to that. Just get the 13 Pro for much less, and I'll advocate a little bit for Apple here. And how, well, At how, least they did increase the price of their phones, because that was one thing that everybody was thinking it might go up 100 bucks or so, and well, they, how many, they, they held the line. How many years <laughs> did you take between upgrades? Wasn't, wasn't it close to five, five years? Yeah. Five years, maybe. Five years. Yeah. I think that the average upgrade cycle is a whole lot less than that. Yeah, exactly. And the, the longer we That's can... That's what we're trying to keep folks from just continuing to go down that path. Yeah, the longer we can make our upgrade cycle, if you normally do it on two-year cycles, we try to expand to three. Yep. And if, if we can... And you should be able to do that because these yeah. phones are getting better and better. Going back to the going green conversation too, Matt, like less waste, less e-waste. Exactly. So, yeah. Actually, uh, speaking of smartphones, the, the Fairphone, they got some love in the Times this week. Um, was it Alex, listener Alex, he told us about, yeah, uh, that's right. about these phones a while back? Sadly, they're only available in Europe. <laughs> uh, but the cool thing about those phones is that they can last you a really long time because as the, the batteries, as your storage uh, gets outdated or, or filled up, as camera technology improves, you can upgrade all of these different elements uh, on your own Fairphone pretty easily. Like they're, they're literally built for you to tinker with so that they, uh, they don't ever have to become obsolete. Uh, a Fairphone is the type of phone that Tinkerbell would, would totally use. <laughs> uh, the reality, though, is that most phones, they're not designed for longevity. And so, you know, were they to do that, that it would undermine the company's bottom line. And so we would personally, we would love to see someone take the, uh, the Fairphone business model, launch it here in the United States. That right there, that might be something that causes me to jump off of the Apple iPhone ship. Yeah. If I can, tink, you know, mess around with my own phone, swap little parts in and out like it's a Lego phone, but that doesn't completely fall apart when you were to drop it. <laughs> I'm just picturing our kids are really getting into, you know, tinkering with Legos and Tinker Toys, that kind of stuff. But every time it, another kid bumps into it, it just falls apart. Hopefully that doesn't happen to their fair phone. But yeah, uh, no, people, people who have it say that it's great. It's supposed to be um, fantastic. Planned obsolescence. Su- super repairable. is still a real problem in our economy. And, uh, and, and I will admit, one of the worst things about Google is they don't commit to as long of a software upgrade cycle as mm. Apple does to their phones. Mm. And that's a real problem. So uh, I'm going to call out both companies. <laughs> they, they really should both be doing a better job at making sure their products can last longer for people, including software upgrades and hardware that's more interchangeable. That's right. There is room for improvement on both fronts. Uh, but that's going to be it for our Friday flight. Don't forget uh, how to money socks. If you are not a subscriber to our newsletter, head to howtomoney.com forward slash newsletter. Uh, but if you sign up for that newsletter by Wednesday at midnight, you will be entered to win one of five pairs of socks and we will announce those winners on our next Friday flight. No doubt. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com.
Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.